Vardhan Shekhawat is one of the most emerging talents of a country in the field of public policy research and entrepreneurship. He has worked with different NGOs at an international front. He is also the founder of Projecta, which is a non-for-profit organization in partnership with UNESCO Delhi. In this particular podcast, we have talked about the emerging field of public policy and the budding policy makers in a country. Enjoy. You can also follow me on my YouTube channel, Vlogger by Heart. <laughs> Hi, Vardhan. Thank you for coming on Honest Discussion Series. This is your host, Aslim Grover. I want to begin by asking that back in those days, like three, four years earlier, public policy was not that predominantly known as a career option. So how did you think that I'm going to go and choose this career and this is what I'm going to do in future? Uh, uh, I think that's a very nice question. And uh, before I begin, thanks a lot for having me here, Rathmi. Um, I think it feels really great to be on a podcast, especially this one. Uh, because, you know, while I was uh, trying to figure out, <clears throat> you know, the nature of the podcast and uh, so on and so forth, particularly found it interesting. So, uh, once again, thanks a lot. Um, when I talk about public policy, uh, one thing about the discipline in particular is that it's highly interdisciplinary. So um, it's not like natural sciences that, you know, um, you have to particularly specialize in one thing, understand mathematics, so on and so forth. So uh, if I have to talk about the policy industry three, four years back, um, one thing that I know for certain is um, that it's been highly interdisciplinary. And for me as a person, I wasn't of the mind that, you know, uh, I'm going to get in, I'm going to do this. And it this particular thing is, you know, public policy or whatever I'm consulting, you know, that is what public policy actually means. So I entered the sector totally unknown uh, and totally oblivious to what public policy actually is. Uh, and to be honest, it was two years back when I got to know about, when I rather studied about public policy. And that was the time when I figured out that, oh, you know, um, this is what I'm actually doing. And uh, this is what the subject entails to what all you know are the nuances of the subject and you know that's how i my personal journey has been but uh, you know <clears throat> with like a lot of institutions coming up yes um talking about public policy so on and so forth i think uh newer generation they and like people rather who study this um discipline they'll be more sorted in the times absolutely, to come absolutely and it, i feel it is one of the most emerging fields in our country uh, but I feel one thing which lacks in this particular career, taking it, uh, taking it up as a career, is that it doesn't offer you a good pay skill, which any other profession would. So how should really government uh, go about with this particular career? Because see, if there are good policymakers, every good policies in the country, and it, it's going to eventually benefit to the citizen. So they should definitely come up with something which can help them sustain a good lifestyle as well. That is true. Uh, I think there are different elements to look at, you know, uh, the situation that you've described. Uh, one is from the perspective of governance. When I look at it from the perspective of governance, something that comes to my mind is policy making by external players who are like outside governance. Uh, let's say the think tanks or consulting firms or even <clears throat> uh, the civil society. Um, these in India, uh, they play a limited role in influencing policy. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the consulting project that uh, Project Up has personally picked 
um i feel the kind of impact that we have tried to create <coughs> it remains external to the primary policy cycle now primary policy cycle is heavily influenced by you know your civil servants mm-hmm. uh and you know your uh, other types of bureaucracy the legislature and all of that so um when i t- look at it from the governance perspective uh the governance is, uh, the government is sorted when it comes to public policy mm-hmm. they have they have niti aayog they have you know yeah. subsidiary committees they have parliamentary committees so when you talk about it from a governance perspective uh public policy is essentially going within uh the institutional structure of the government and thereafter making policies now when you look at it from a perspective of a private player someone who's outside the government uh then that is a different perspective altogether what that entails to is <clears throat> um you can either go in an ngo work uh, work okay. as you know uh within the civil society create try to create difference on ground grassroots grassroot level and uh other is you can indulge into consulting um followed by that there is also the private sector so you can you know work as a public policy officer or you know something like that in let's say apple or amazon yeah. stuff like that so recently <laughs> i came across this uh, term public policy consultancy firms which i wasn't aware earlier so there are a lot of private organization which have this department for public policy but it's still limited to the legal department as legal department is still there in yeah. every corporate sector but uh, public policy is still like not that vastly popular as such but i feel uh, eventually it's going to be there in uh, all the companies because uh, they have to really figure out the policies and you know uh, the business rules and everything with their uh, whatever things they are doing in the company okay so i also want to ask you about your project up uh, which you have started and how did you really think of that idea because research i recently read an article in hindu as well that research and development if they want to create an ecosystem in india for that so yeah just enlighten us with that all right so uh, personally speaking uh, when i graduated college i was with two perspectives i was sure that i want to pursue public policy nothing apart from that mm-hmm. and uh, when i look at it from uh, you know two distinct perspectives one was you know let's go ahead and crack the ias ifs and then you know directly influence policy um for some reason that i didn't find that to be my cup of tea uh, same, same. the second option <laughs> the second option which i saw was uh, influencing policy from a civil society perspective and the third one which was not really apparent that time was to consult as a private player so a uh, private player as in with a corporate yeah. so uh, when i look at it you know from a civil society perspective um one thing that was really essential to me uh, was conducting good quality research uh, many a times uh, not really outright saying that you know government uh, you know their records or the government data is essentially manipulated something like that okay. but a lot of times good data is needed to come up with good research and thereafter implement good policies so that was one lack which i personally saw in the policy space which you know we tried to fulfill through project up um one and uh, two was i personally feel as many youthful policy inputs you know you put in the policy space the better it's going to be <clears throat> um and that is only out of spirit i cannot rationally justify that argument that's only purely out of spirit so another essential behind coming up with the research uh, you know project within project up was uh, to train a lot of young people in the policy space so right now um, in our partnership uh, with unesco new delhi 
um our target is to train 50 policy researchers almost every month and we're doing that and yeah. trust me it's the most rewarding experience when uh, you know you have young people saying that yes this is what i want to work on and this is what i'm going to do and you know it, and i'm equipped with the necessary skills to do that so i think uh, that is something that drives me within project up uh, you know really take things forward so you are also a social entrepreneur if i may call you that you are right yeah like a yeah. fancy term <laughs> yeah absolutely no but uh, if somebody like me who wants to set up a project or like a think tank like yours so how should one approach that thing because it is a tedious process to actually come up with your own startup yeah. and everything and form a team and then eventually build a complete ecosystem all right this answer is going to be slightly long yeah. <clears throat> so uh, bear with me on that no. um number one uh, one thing that lacks in india is again uh, because there is no public policy space there is no you know given ecosystem to understand how you can do something there what and uh, you know in contradiction to that there is a lot of startup trends you know government has various schemes every college has an incubation center it's going to help startups to you know do something get investment so not to say that having a startup is relatively easy than having a social enterprise or an ngo but the point is that at the moment it is so trending that you have a lot of support um if not practically but at least you have a lot of support in theory when you look at making an ngo or a social enterprise there are a lot of challenges so the startup challenges are there anyway Mm-hmm. plus you have challenges of uh, no one being there to guide you telling you you know do this do that do that second mm-hmm. is you do not get a mentor who can I, i personally did not get a mentor who was like yeah do this that's how you know you go with the registration process that's how you get a pan card or you know that's how uh, you know go ahead open a bank account so these things these challenges are there one or mm-hmm. uh, two if you look at the structure of ngos in india you will realize that it's vastly different than a startup so okay. if you have a section 8 company if you have a society if you have a trust in all these three cases it works in absolute distinction huge dichotomy between a company and a social enterprise within any three segments mm-hmm. so <clears throat> there is no guidance on that as such you know how to create my society's bylaws all of that so mm-hmm. that is a big problem and no one essentially guides you so the third problem becomes the problem of funding yeah. now <clears throat> uh startup may investors hain and they will you know happily uh if your idea is good yeah. you might just get a good investment <clears throat> so you know uh, one of my uh people i was uh, speaking with in project up only he said that if you have a good idea today money is not the problem people yeah. are there to invest in your idea on the flip side uh when i look at you know social en- enterprises in india and not outside specifically in india funding becomes a problem i personally come from a very modest background and when i started project up i was not in a position of telling my parents that you know uh, give me even 5000 rupees so that i can you know buy some scarves or buy something for the kids and you know because i was not in a position to say that you know, if me if you give me 5000 i'll return you 10000 yeah. because it's you know that's how the dynamics work so that was a big problem so funding no resources lack of guidance becomes you know a huge challenge in terms of coming up with a social enterprise yeah. vis-a-vis because there is no so, profit making in it right 
so you're basically yeah. helping people that's true uh, yeah so what is like the main difference you see in india and abroad with the social enterprise uh, that is a really good question yeah. so uh, <clears throat> i worked with uh, government in australia currently uh, i get my uh, contractual employment from african development university which is in niger okay. and i'm working in project up i've looked at a couple of research dynamics in egypt so i think uh, the first you know essential of that question is where in the world are we talking about if you're talking about uh-huh. europe the dynamics are different us okay. is different africa mm-hmm. it's crazy different so yeah okay so like us and europe in general so uh, i feel <clears throat> and this is a personal opinion yeah. um europe and uk they these people um i feel they realize the importance of public policy uh since a lot of the work is outsourced mm. um so i think uh, the pay is better absolutely opportunities are better i myself am considering a phd from abroad so <clears throat> uh, even teaching in uh, you know the global north way better in terms of pay in terms of benefits so if you want to teach public policy um the pay and other things are better there so i think that comes down uh, when you realize the importance of you know interdisciplinary research which is a problem in india so um you know and firstly you try should, right yeah. yeah yeah just come all right no worries yeah so right, how so should india saying, adapt all of it okay um okay that's 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 actually a difficult question um yeah. i think it's going to come with the with the realization that mm. <clears throat> apart from money there are other things which actually matter one thing in the development sector that i go by is we look at we assess the performance of an entity or society or an ngo company whatever we assess the performance of an entity um not by income but by impact so and that is something that truly differentiates a company and the development sector so if you look at it from that perspective the day we i am no i'm no one to you know really make such big statements but i feel the devi realize uh, that you know impact over income or even treat them on an equality um the public policy space in india will actually bloom and it's just the matter of time i feel because it's already happening i can see it happening so just to, as far as i see 5 years 6 years down the line um we can easily compete i also feel like more. even the private sector can play a vital role in this we can collaborate with them and we can actually even make money and help people that is what like most of the first world countries are doing and their economies are booming and even the people are really happy so that is what i feel india can also adapt in such a way so, but they need to really uh, come up with good policies especially the private sector so that they can adapt all of these changes in their system uh i want to also ask you about the kind of international work you have done over these years because i'm quite overwhelmed like as you mentioned about doing you know some things with uh, in africa and then other countries as well so just enlighten me with that as well um since my childhood uh i i was a lot into mahatma gandhi for some reason um and that really drew me very close to uh, a lot of his ideas and a lot of his work that he did in africa which in turn made me really passionate about african development so i was constantly on a lookout that you know i want to do something for africa and i want to work there for some time eventually um i got 
a nice opportunity um that job essentially um makes me teach wonderful people and i'm incubating social enterprises there itself so uh nije i think it's the third most poorest country in the world um and i feel it it has a lot of challenges but it's one of the most hopeful countries that i've personally been to so uh, and i'm traveling again by the uh, the end of this week so the the idea behind there is um you know going there is essentially to work on many more project ups which will not only be limited to india but even africa one and two um really spread holistic education so in the university i also teach and at the same time i'm working on social enterprises with with the students there so i feel one is to create really Im- genuine impact and the second is education in africa Oh. And, uh, <clears throat> and how do you approach such opportunities like is it just online or is it through universities or something like that um so <clears throat> i think uh, it just when you're working uh, i post this is like a life thing that i you know go by mm-hmm. if you're really doing something that you love so um there was a point in my life when i missed college exams to go in the field and meet the kids not the best decision i'm not asking people to do that is just an example of the kind of crazy passion that it actually dro- drove me insane and i could not even think rashni that varda i'm going to give the exam over this <clears throat> so one is that you know if you're really passionate about something things just come down and that's something that i've seen so as i told you could not take money from my parents for starting project up but i did it regardless oh. i slept in the slum for 3 days to just understand the dynamic and how these people actually live uh to a could lot you, of observation could you just elaborate what projectup is doing to my audience sure so uh projectup is essentially divided into three distinct <coughs> uh workspaces one is policy consulting uh research training people so on and so forth so um we've been consulting to uh the national action plan 2020 where we were talking about manual scavenging and we also worked with the executive aid um to the home ministry of the state where we were talking about employment opportunities now we're also looking at further uh, you know extending our um, consulting project and the research space itself and on our research team we've partnered with unesco and we're running a boot camp <clears throat> other than that we have on field projects which are further divided into two one is entirely into education so we have a systematic plan and an education model which i personally foresee uh as a revolution within the uh you know space of field work mm-hmm. so that is there and that is that needs to be worked on further mm-hmm. and then we have our social entrepreneurship projects so those are like you know uh, we're running three projects one is a uh, clay pottery so on and so forth so, and you did it all by yourself it. or do you have like a team i started by myself uh, okay. got a weird team at first then got an amazing team which is right there and like they're like family now I I just uh, just tell you about this that when you started project up I was quite new on LinkedIn and somebody told me about this and at that time I was a very like uh, I wasn't a good writer and all of it so I just applied randomly and I got rejected and uh, <laughs> and today here I am with you so it feels amazing and I I I also feel that I've come a long way because at that time I did not do any internship now I've done around 5 to 6 internships and i've written That's two awesome. research papers yeah so like i feel like research is a very tedious process but once you get into it it's one of the most beautiful process because you're just allowing your mind to think in a particular direction 
and that is the most beautiful feeling i feel because yeah, that's true yeah also you're finding so many recommendations you know to the problem you're giving out solutions to the government so that that is something amazing so i just want to ask you how should a budding researcher really approach researching okay uh, first of all uh, before that i think it's a commendable job uh, from the time you came on to linkedin till now yeah. and the way you've grown so kudos to that uh, <clears throat> uh now coming on to the budding researcher thing i faced a huge problem when i was in college yeah. uh, because even till the end of my college no one really told me that look vardhan this is how citations work or yeah. uh, look vardhan this is how you snowball a paper or you know so these things basic tips and tricks even the very fundamentals methodology um you know these things weren't told this is not a culture in india yeah. not at least in undergraduate level I've, absolutely there not even 10% colleges you know help you make a research paper and that was a huge you know gap while my friends who were abroad they were like oh you don't know citation and that yeah. really pricked me at a point uh and then i did online courses started figure stuff out by myself uh and one thing that okay so this is not an advertisement but <clears throat> i think right now there are a lot of courses or people who can help you out if you have the right resources yeah. for instance um in our bootcamp what we do is we take you through from nothing like no background knowledge of research to a point where we make you a published author mm. and <clears throat> so i think once you have such a kick start it is easier to build upon that um back when i was working on my research i did not have that and if at all there was something like this i did not know so i think not only project up boot camp uh, there are a lot of other uh, good boot camps as well and good courses that someone can do to get a basic knowledge so yeah and what kind of research your boot camp really focuses on qualitative or quantitative or is it a mix of both so um so at the boot camp is essentially a two way process one okay. is research okay. and the second is social emotional development of okay. a person when okay. you come into the boot camp mm. uh, 90% of the people when they leave 90% too much and this is a rough statistic a majority of the people when they leave they're actually in tears because they're so much in love with the people that they've worked with so if i keep that perspective aside um <clears throat> uh, and i just talk about solely research we work on both qualitative and quantitative methods um I mean, most of the time a lot of our research is based on qualitative work in the boot camp mm. since uh, we are on a very we run on a very strict deadline and you know okay. <clears throat> working on the quantitative part usually takes a lot of time but we're always open to that okay that's great so if you are apply like as you mentioned that you are applying for abroad for you might consider a phd from abroad so how should one really approach abroad admissions because it's very difficult and also different from indian university admissions for masters and for phd i have limited experience of applying abroad okay um but i i applied to kings i got in um okay. <clears throat> my cgpa was slightly low um so that being said i think one of the very major things when you are applying for a masters or a phd abroad so since i do not have much experience in applying for a phd i'll talk about master mm. um <clears throat> i i only feel being sorted um for the course is very very important so you should know what are your research interests what do you want to actually do after the course what really excites you um <clears throat> to an extent which professor would you like to work with mm. questions like these which are highly academic is something that is always preferred in a masters application um since it when you are applying for an undergrad 
you can just go on with you know your feelings stuff like that i think mm-hmm. a masters application is more requires you to be more sorted in terms of your career and your academics together i think that's yeah. one thing that i took back from my experience of applying absolutely great uh the next question would be about uh how should indian universities at a bachelor level adapt the research and development processes for their students because in the new education policy they have told that they are going to focus on research a lot yeah and they removed the mfl yeah they removed the mfl yeah so uh that's a very good question um so my intent if i talk about the long term perspective is doing something like this structural changes within the education regime yeah um <clears throat> to start with that i think it's a very simple thing to do honestly very very simple you look at okay let me just pick up bu political science uh, undergraduation course all right <clears throat> um if you have one course wherein you do not talk about let's say a particular philosopher but you yeah. talk about research i think yeah. that's way more help <clears throat> yeah i wouldn't name a philosopher but let's say we're not talking about a certain you know something that there are a lot of things which are redundant in the course <clears throat> for instance understanding or right, i shouldn't be naming any philosophy or any philosopher but yeah there are things which can be removed and it is very very easy to add research methodology and basics of research in one semester very easily do you think they should add a research paper in their bachelor's degree because abroad it is very common usually people write research Paper. i do not think so okay <clears throat> um you look at public university dynamics you will realize that a lot of people are coming from huge diversity right so someone's coming from up someone's coming from bihar someone's coming from kerala you know huge diversity i personally feel not everyone is at par in terms of intellectual caliber or academia because of different circumstances that they you know come from someone might just be Absolutely. studying from the best school the other one might just you know be going to one of the worst government schools in the country but then they both meet and when you assess a person based on their you know uh paper that they write i think there is an unfair advantage to the person who you know goes to a better school and that's always there regardless uh, yeah. but still <clears throat> putting in a thesis in the end of the du degree or a public university degree is it might just have adverse effect and i don't feel that the you know the people in india or the students in india are ready for that at the undergraduate level but sure they they should be taught and can be you know worked as you know the way it already is so you like know the examinations they, yeah so like as they mentioned a three year degree can be extendable for like another year and then that particular year you can write your own research paper that is what it was mentioned in nep as well that it can be a yeah, four year degree yeah okay it'll put you at par to united states in terms of getting academic credits so at mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they don't usually count the three-year degree, I guess. Because they yeah yeah and that's a problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. And this is the last question which I want to ask you. That is, I also wish to get into public policy and do something like you. And you've done some tremendous work, but I'm still a boomer. I feel in this particular field. Likewise. So no, I I still feel I need to learn a lot. I need to really get into the nuances of the particular field. but how should i or any other person who is just at the beginning level approach this field uh, and you know even the research field in general i think uh, <clears throat> before i answer that i think there are a lot of people out there who have done tremendous work within public policy and development sphere and even just like you i'm also just starting so you know just be like 2 3 years ahead that's it um <clears throat> and that being said uh 
I personally feel beginning to understand public policy uh, comes with a lot of reading and a lot of research. When you know your basics, um, so you know models of analysis, you know understanding regression, and knowing citation, the research methodology, you know everything. If you are, if you have substance, um, in terms of wisdom and knowledge, I think that's the first step of becoming a public policy professional. Uh, when you understand and talk to people, just like exactly what you're doing, um, <clears throat> that really works. And third thing that I've personally seen is networking is huge in public policy space. Absolutely. If you if you know the right people. um they can very well guide you to right opportunities they can very well tell you you know they the also has references in a lot of companies and in yeah. a lot of government offices as well and yeah. one of the sole reason why somebody told me to join linkedin is that you will build a great network and it's been around 4 to 5 months that i've got a good network so like most of the people i'm getting on my podcast they are people from linkedin and they have done some tremendous work in the public policy and in the research domain So I feel LinkedIn has also really helped in that. That is true. Yeah. Um, okay. So like this should be the last question, but I want to know like which fellowships mm-hmm. should one approach after their graduation if they want to get into this public policy domain and this particular field. Okay. Um. <clears throat> okay. Uh. Do you want me to name fellowships like? Yeah. Like anything. Like what should one do after graduation for uh, <clears throat> this particular right. field? So most probably, if you're graduating uh, and coming to public policy, you either belong to some humanities course, political science, sociology, something like that, yeah. economics, um, even psychology to some extent nowadays, or <clears throat> you are usually coming from a business perspective. Yeah. So <clears throat> in either case, um, I believe um, before applying to a master's in public policy, it's yeah. very good to get some on on the job training. So <clears throat> be it in an institute, in a university, or a government, you know. anything um getting on the job training is important in india the convention is uh, you did your bachelor's let's do the master's and if you are really cool let's do the phd as well i think this is where it needs to be slightly tweaked um <clears throat> after graduation i believe uh, on the job training is really important working is really important understanding public policy is actually for you and the development sector is actually for you is really important in project up i've seen uh, even outside project up i've seen a lot of people go on the field visit and they just feel nice and feeling nice is something that is just come inherent because you you're going down there but can that be a career that you only come to know when you just don't go there to feel nice but to actually yeah. do something impactful so that's there and that's why i believe before getting into a masters and spending money on public policy investing that uh, money there a uh, very essential is to you know work somewhere as you know maybe an apprenticeship or an internship or a fellowship like you mentioned mm-hmm. so and that needs to be changed uh, within the culture you know the mindset yeah yeah absolutely okay so thank you so much vardhan for coming on the podcast i'm going to get you more on the subsequent episode where we can discuss the nuances of public policy and uh, it was a it was an absolute pleasure to have you and my audience will get an insight into the world of public policy Thank I hope so. so. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.